Welcome to Fort Street Presbyterian Church. My name is Garrett. I'm the pastor here. One of the pastors, I should say. Uh, it's so good to be with you all here this morning. I want to say for our other pastor, Pastor Sarah, she is very anxious and eager to come back. She misses you all, and uh, we've got this Sunday and then next Sunday, and then she's back the following Sunday. And so we're excited for her uh, triumphant return. And as I see people clapping in the back, finally, we don't have to listen to Pastor Garrett go on and on from the pulpit. No, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, so she's excited. She says hello, and she misses you. And she can't wait to get back. Will you please join me in our call to worship here? Haven't we known? Haven't we heard? Haven't we been told this since the beginning? Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. please join me in our prayer of confession. God, you are everlasting, the creator of everything that is. Your understanding is beyond all measure. We confess to you that we have sinned against you and our neighbors. In your compassion, forgive us and teach us what you require to live a holy life. Teach us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly beside you. And now, in this time of silence, O oh Lord, please hear the cries of our hearts.
Amen. Friends, our God heals our broken hearts and binds up our wounds. Go and sin no more. Amen. For our time for the child inside all of us, I know we don't technically have what we may categorize as children here, but we do have you all. So I'm going I'm to ask you questions, and I, I do want you to kind of interact, shout through your masks, uh, some of these answers. If, if I were to ask you, what is love, what would you say? Just shout them out, and I'll, I'll repeat for our crowd online, okay? What is love? <laughs> <laughs> love is silence. Yes, very good. Acceptance. Acceptance. Yes, I like that. Acceptance. That's good. Acceptance. What was that, Doris? I'm sorry. Unconditional. Love is unconditional. Yeah. Yes. It should be. Compassion. I heard that. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Rob. Putting others ahead of yourself, yes. Those are all, all great. So I want you to keep asking that question, what is love? Because there are a bunch of different ways we can kind of answer this. And I'm searching for an answer too. And we're, we're beginning this new sermon series where we're asking, what does love require? But I think before you can answer that question, you have to kind of know, well, what is love? What is it that it would require something, right? And so I have... A little bit of an answer this morning. This is from a poem by Nikki Giovanni, and it's called Love Is. Some people forget that love is tucking you in and kissing you goodnight, no matter how young or old you are. Some people don't remember that love is listening and laughing and asking questions, no matter what your age. Few recognize that love is commitment, responsibility, no fun at all unless love is you and me. Make 
Our scripture this morning comes to us from Micah. Ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> Let's try again. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Listen now for the word of the Lord. With what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? He's told you, human one, what's good and what the Lord requires from you to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. The voice of the Lord calls out to the city. Wisdom appears when one fears your name. Hear, tribe, and who appointed her. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. We're not doing sermon response. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Forgive us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually new here and uh, don't always know what I'm doing. <laughs> Is, has it been 90 days yet? Am I past the probationary period or? <laughs> all right. Let's see if we can recover from this, all right? <laughs> Will you pray with me? Good and loving God, uh, thank you for laughter. God, thank you for listeners. God, thank you for your love. Lord, I pray whatever words we would hear this morning would be from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've heard a lot of talk lately about reconciliation. We want to heal from our past. We want to put tension behind us. We just want a peaceful country, right? Well, I've heard it around the church, too. We just want to heal. We just want to put the past behind us. We want our church back. And many of my friends on Facebook who are actively posting political things um, some of who are much, much smarter than I am. Some of them are saying that these calls for reconciliation, they're too soon in our country. It's too soon. They're saying that reconciliation isn't until further down the road and that, in fact, we haven't repented yet. And it's funny to hear these friends on Facebook talking about repentance because many of them aren't even religious. In other cases, some of them are liberally religious, I would say, which means that often we avoid topics like repentance that sound a little too, I don't really know what to call them, but we avoid it, don't we? 
repentance. Ew. We hear the word repentance and we think almost immediately what Micah thought. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions? Should I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Maybe we do that because we have a flair for the dramatic. We like to make the world about us, about I, about me, about what I am doing, about my family, my traditions, where I am going, who I'm with, who's set against me, who likes me, who despises me, who am I, and what am I doing? We think this way all the time, some version of it. And so, of course, we say what Micah said when we hear a call for repentance. We go berserk almost, thinking that we have to sacrifice the worst things. Children, the fruit of our body, all the best that we have. We think we have to give it all up and to suffer unbearably because that is what God wants. That's what the Lord requires. It's our duty as good Christian soldiers. Do you know, I was thinking about this verse. I was reading it this way and that, and I kind of turned my head to the side and squinted my eyes, and I sort of thought that the name, this title, the Lord, is a little outdated. It's a little brutish, if you will allow me. We say God now, don't we? And so that made me ask the question a little differently. Well, instead of what does the Lord require, what does God require? But even that can be a little too much for some of us because the word God carries connotations and baggage with it. We hear it and we may cringe. God wants something? Oh no, here we go. But then I thought, we do say that in the New Testament that God is love, right? And so I asked the question a different way again. I asked, what does love require? What does love require? And I kind of like putting it that way because it allowed me to mark a shift from saying, this is your divine duty, right, to repent. You must do this. It allowed me to shift away from that and to see repentance rather as a divine opportunity. This verse actually is about repentance. I know it doesn't seem that way at first, and I'm not just trying to import my own thoughts and feelings into the text here. It is about getting right with God. If you start at the beginning of the chapter, what you'll see is, hear what the Lord says, rise, Plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. 
And when I read that, I sort of think of uh, the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. I know we've got at least one fan in here of that, but I, I think of like pro wrestling, okay? And I think of uh, like Hulk Hogan or Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out of the tunnel, standing below that giant, you know, screen, and then running down the ramp, jumping into the ring, and getting ready to wrestle and grapple with someone, right? God throws the gloves off. God's ready to wrestle and get in into the mess of it. He's got some business to settle. Unfortunately, it's not really like that, okay? It's just my own imagination. It's much more high stakes. Some commentators say it's like a divine lawsuit that's taking place. God has a case against God's people. The people have broken their covenant with God, meaning that they have not been faithful followers. They have not done the things they said they would do. In fact, they kind of have no idea what they're doing, and God knows this. But here's the interesting part. Listen to God's opening statement in this cosmic and divine lawsuit. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what ways have I wearied you? Answer me. And I think it's really interesting that God would begin his lawsuit there. God begins saying, have I done anything to harm you? If so, tell me. I, I want to know. And I just love that. Don't you? To me, it's, it's God saying, I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to walk with you in this. There's this great passage in Isaiah 41 where we get the image of God. God actually says to Isaiah uh, some version of, I'm the one that grabs you by the right hand. I'm the one that walks with you in this fear. And that aligns with this, doesn't it? God being the one who holds our hand. And God saying, what have I done wrong? Tell me how I've wearied you. I'm listening. It's a really powerful thing for anyone to hear, I think. I'm listening. I'm listening. Now, to be sure, there's a different way to read this passage, okay? And maybe you read it the other way and you think this new pastor who doesn't know when his sermon starts, doesn't know what he's doing in the service, he's just sleep deprived and he's kind of losing his mind. And you, you might think that. And that's, you, I don't know if you'd be wrong at this point, but we could read this passage in Micah where God is asking, how have I wronged you? And we could assume that God was asking a rhetorical question, right? It's almost like, oh, please, people, tell me how I, a perfect being, could ever be wrong. Go ahead, make your lists. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. We could read it as if God was provoking the people, taunting them to come up with any reason that God has not been perfect in every single way. This is a prideful, boastful God displaying his glory and power. 
But that's not the God we believe in, is it? We believe in the God who says, I'm listening. I'm listening. Tell me how it hurts. There's this great story in Mark shortly after Jesus has left from his first teaching in the the synagogue there in Capernaum, and he goes to a woman's house, and it's said that she has a fever. She's ill. And it says that he goes into the house and he heals her. In a COVID world, this is sort of scandalous and strange to us, right, that he would go into the house of a person who's actively sick and heal them. But that's not all. He actually stays there. And he stays there long enough that a crowd, it says, gathers around the outside of the home and they're pressing up against the walls and sort of one by one they come into the house and Jesus meets with them. Jesus heals them, the text says. He spent all night with them. We believe in the God who says, I'm listening. Tell me how it hurts. After God's opening statements here in Micah, God moves to remind the people that God is the one who sent them the leaders in their past, the one who brought them to better days, the ones who liberated them. God sent Miriam, God sent Moses, Aaron. It's like God is saying, hey, it's, it's me. Remember, don't make me into this terrible tyrant, this scary being, this rampaging machine. It's me. Remember who I am and what I have done. I'm here. I'm listening. It's me. That's God's opening statement in this divine lawsuit against humanity. And if this were actually my fantasy and it was a wrestling match of epic proportions, (laughs) it'd it'd be kind of boring (laughs) because the drama just sort of falls away. Apparently, this is something like what the people need to hear, though, because they respond in the collective voice from the passage that we read this morning. And as we said before, they kind of know that they need to repent. They know they haven't been who they could be. They've heard God's opening statements, and they're almost panicking, it seems, thinking, yes, we we know we haven't been who we should have been. Yes, we know we're not who we think we are or who we think we should be. Yes, we need to repent, so what do we do? What's next? And that's when they start listing off all these ridiculous things like child sacrifice, thousands of rams, rivers of olive oil. They're just asking essentially how big is the bill? How much are we going to have to pay? What's the cost? What's it going to require of me? How much of my wealth? How much of my body? How much of my heart? They're worried, and maybe rightfully so. But the answer God gives is this. He has shown you, human one, or in some translations, O mortal, he has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, 
to love mercy, to walk humbly, period. And I imagine at this point, God must be thinking, why are they still going on about these rivers of oil? Why are they talking about rams and child sacrifice? Didn't we get rid of that like thousands and thousands of years ago? Why are we going back to that? Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. This is what love requires. This is the way to reconciliation with God and with neighbor. But before we get there as individuals, before we get there as a church, we have to do what God does, right? We have to stop and we have to listen. We have to listen to the ways that we have been wrong. We have to repent. The first step is accepting that we have a problem, which the people in this passage do. We, not the world, not the other people that we don't like, not the other political party members, not the person that you really wish was listening to this sermon right now. We have a problem. We are bound together, as Dr. King said, in a network of mutuality. We are tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We have a problem. We need to listen. We need to repent. Now, you heard me say that word again, and maybe you felt that little jolt in your gut. But remember, repentance is not a dirty word. It's not some divine duty. It's a divine opportunity. Think about it. All these people calling for reconciliation, all these people who want peace, and all of us have seen enough of the world to know that we want those things too, right? Because we know the world as it exists is not the world as it could be. And when we say we want peace and reconciliation, when we say we want to dismantle structural racism, eradicate systemic poverty, and promote congregational vitality, we have to remember what we are chasing after, what we're actually dreaming into being. When we only make it about responsibility, when we see only what we have to do, what's our duty, what's it gonna cost, when we only think in those ways, we miss the point. But if we make it about the world, if we make it about the greater good of all of society, if we make repentance about the legacy of this church, and we actually remove the cost of ourselves from the equation just for a moment, we begin to see the possibilities and not the duties. We begin to see the opportunities in the world and not just the overwhelming responsibilities. We begin to see that doing what love requires, what God requires, acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly, we begin to see that this is the way to walk with God, the way to build the kingdom here on earth, the way to literally recreate the world. 
And who wouldn't want that? And so what does love require? I think it requires that we, along with God, admit to ourselves that maybe we haven't been the best that we can be. And we ask the question, what have I done? Tell me. Tell me. And then we listen. We wait for a response. We take it all in. We accept it. And I think that this way of being is a kind of confession. In confession, as Jamar Tismi and so many others have pointed out, confession is actually the beginning of repentance. And I would add to that that the beginning of confession is listening. This is only the first step in a series of steps that we're going to have to take. We still have a lot of tough answers, or excuse me, a tough questions to answer. What does it mean to act justly? Well, I don't know. What does it mean to love mercy? What does it mean to walk humbly? If you want some preliminary answers, come back and visit us because we're going to try to take those in turn these next three weeks. And thankfully, Pastor Sarah is coming back to help us answer those. But if you can't make it to those, if you're too busy, please hear me when I say repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is not a dirty word. Any chance that God gives you to change any chance that God allows you to redirect your ways, any call for repentance, it's a beautiful thing because it means that actually there's a path for healing in the world. It means that actually there's a way forward, that the walls of the sea aren't going to come crumbling down when we try to walk through the waters. God has made a way, and as narrow as it is, it's still a way, and that's hope. That means that reconciliation can happen in this country and in this church. And I would say, this is just my best guess as a young person, still somewhat naive and idealistic, I would say that repentance may never, ever happen in this country if it doesn't first happen here in the church. If we can't do it, if we can't lead the way, who will? I think that healing, and specifically the healing of the world, begins right here, right now. And remember, the way may be hard, but hard is not a bad thing. Act justly, love kindness, walk humbly. This is the way of healing. This is the way of hope, the way of peace. This is the way that we build the beloved community and remake the world completely. Let's pray. God, thank you for the words of Micah. God, thank you for the call to walk with you, to do justice, to love kindness, 
and to be humble. Lord, help us on our way and see us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to move into a time of prayer, and as always, at the end of it, we will come to the Lord's Prayer, and I just want to say, uh, pray it how you know it, so there's no wrong way to say it. Um, if you say debts, say debts. If you say sins, say sins. If you say trespasses, say trespasses. Let's pray. God of the universe, you sit above the circle of the earth, and so we pray for the oceans and the mountains, the inland waterways and the very air we breathe. Save and protect them, we pray. Since the beginning of our faith, we have looked to you to gather the outcasts, heal the brokenhearted, and bind up their wounds. And so we pray for the world, the poor of the world, the sick, the dying, the lonely. God, you build up the holy city, and so we pray for our country and for all the countries of the world and for all of our leaders. May we all come to see that your delight is not in the strength of the military, but in those who walk humbly beside you. How good it is to sing praises to you, O God. We pray for your church here and around the world, and we lift up our members, Lorraine Manos, Kathy, John, the Marshalls, the Kellys, and all those who have gone unspoken, Lord. Empower us to go from person to person, sharing the good news that we have received and bringing healing and a listening ear wherever we go. And now, O oh Lord, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
just have a few announcements here for you. Uh, as always, we have adult education Sunday mornings, 9.30 a.m. I shouldn't say as always because we take it in units, but uh, for the past four weeks, we've been studying Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. We have three more weeks of that. So if you're interested in joining uh, 9.30 a.m. on Zoom, or you can meet me in the upper room over here, and I'll have uh, everything set up, and we'll be socially distanced and safe. So it's 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings. We're having a Black History Month concert online February 12th at 7 p.m., and you should see more information about that going out this week. That's February 12th at 7 p.m., our Black History Month concert online. We're also going to have an Ash Wednesday service this year. That's February 17th here at 6.30 p.m. So the service will be here in the sanctuary, 6.30 p.m., uh, and it will be live streamed. So if you don't want to come in and have your ashes imposed, um, you can watch it at home. And I would encourage you, though, before you watch that, go outside and grab some dirt. If the soil's frozen solid, which it probably is at this point. Um, find some dust around your house. I'm sure you haven't dusted every little bit of your house, but find some there. And I think for this one year alone, we can allow you to uh, impose the ashes upon yourself if you feel so inclined. So that's February 17th at 6.30 p.m. And I should add, too, we're going to do uh, drive-by ashes. So I'm going to try this out. I don't know how many takers we will have, but uh, that same day, February 17th, from 3.30 to 5 p.m., we'll do drive-by ashes here in the parking lot. So I'll be standing out here. You don't have to get out of your car. It's kind of like a COVID test uh, without really any results. So uh, you can come by. You can get your ashes that way and then go on your merry way. So that's February 17th, and look for more information on that uh, this week. As always, uh, we appreciate your generosity and your love for this church and its ministries. Uh, if you are looking for ways to give, you can go online to www.fortstreet.org backslash give, and uh, you can pledge your tithes and offerings that way. Finally, there will be coffee hour following worship today. Uh, if you are listening online and you want to join that, if you're in person, there will not be coffee hour today unless you rush home and hop on Zoom. So uh, coffee hour immediately following service for our virtual guests. Friends, now may the Spirit of God take your hands and lift you up so that you might do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Amen.